Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 48, Clash of the Champions 12. Mountain Madness slash Fall Brawl 90. There's no official tagline, but there's like two sub things. It's Clash of Champions 12, where the men pin the men and the woman pins the woman. That's a spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) Clash 12 is a TV supercard produced by the WCW under the NWA banner. The event would take place on September 5th, 1990 at the Asheville Civic Center in Asheville, North Carolina. The attendance for the show was 4,000 people and the cable rating was 5.0. This is the highest rated Clash of the Champions since like the first couple. Cool. Why? But they like, this isn't the last Clash of Champions because I know Fall Brawl, but it comes to WCW. Five Clash oh, of the wow. Champions, but like I know that WCW does a like has a Fall Brawl yes. for a while. Basically, Fall Brawl, like I don't know why they gave it two different names here. Mountain, Madness. but Fall Brawl becomes a actual pay per view that they use. Yeah, I think starting nineteen ninety one. Yeah, maybe ninety two. I don't. I think I think exactly. WWE still uses the name Clash of Champions for like yes. basically like a a. There literally was it's a Clash not even of Champions a, in like. October of last yeah, year. Yeah, it's not even like a real pay-per-view. It's just like, oh, well, we have the network. I guess we'll, well do no, this. Clash of the Champions was an actual pay-per-view. It was Starcade they used as just a oh, special Oh, the Clash the of the Champions? They, they, yeah. It was like, okay. I thought it was kind of the same like the Starcade thing where they're like, oh, like... We don't well, want to well, use these names. Yeah, I thought it was just kind but of no, one of those yeah, names. They, they actually do still use Clash of the Champions. I think it was the first one they've used in a while. They quit using Great American Bash... I think they've gone away from using most of the WCW titles, but yeah, they still use them occasionally. Speaking of occasionally, mm-hmm. we like to talk about what happened around the time that the show came on. And two weeks after the show, Goodfellas would be released into theater. Good movie. Goodfellas. Good movie. Great movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great one. The, uh, I feel like I've seen it more than Casino, because he does, like, that and Casino back-to-back, Scorsese does, and, like, uh, I feel like maybe Casino is uh, just as good, but I know that it's longer, so I've always watched Goodfellas, and Goodfellas is on TV more often. I've always been a bigger Goodfellas guy. Like, I liked Casino when it came out, but I was kind of like, it just felt like more of a read. Just like it's just like the, let's do it again, telling yeah. the same kind of story, and it's yeah. like it's another. I mean, it's just, it's another gangster movie for sure, but it's kind of weird to do that back to back without like I don't know a big different twist. The only thing I really remember about Casino is uh, Joe Pesci stabbing the guy in the face with a pen because that's pretty gross. And then Ray Liotta's laugh. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's there at like basically like a round booth type table. Yeah, that's like that's really the only thing I really remember from Casino. Maybe all the or Goodfellas, you mean? Oh no, that's from Goodfellas. The 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 stab, face stab. 
I thought that was Casino. I think that's, I don't know. It's like the same cast and everything. Yeah, it's true. Maybe I'll have to do both of them. I feel like Goodfellas is one that, even if you're not trying to watch it, you'll eventually watch it every couple of years because it just, it just kind of works out that way. But you still haven't watched Godfather, right? No, it's been on my short list. I've been watching a lot of movies this year, but I've been kind of on like a 70s Japanese exploitation thing right now. So when I round that out, maybe I'll go to like movies that actually matter. Not ones that I just think are cool. Top, Not ones that are just in, in like... Top 100 movies that critics think are good. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, I'm watching movies that are things that were the reason that like Quentin Tarantino made Kill Bill, except for these movies are... By and large, not as good. A, a little bit more fun. I can see that. Uh, there's one that's so gnarly. I wouldn't even want to talk about it here. <laughs> Just say it. Some of them get pretty graphic. And the classic John Bon Jovi song, Blaze of Glory, would be the number one song the next week. I might have to do this again. Ice fishing song? I saw you no, about the, it. No, the, I know it's not that one. That's the, the Dead or Alive. Song. It's the Young Guns 2 song. No? No. I have been actually thinking about watching both Young Guns movies because I've heard both. the Young Guns 2 is actually like kind of underrated, both uh, underrated Guns awesome movies movie. are very, very good. I know I've seen they're, the first one. very fun westerns. I'm all down for a fun western. Yeah. Yeah, John Bon Jovi, they actually wanted to use one of his other songs and he's like, he was like, that doesn't fit a western at all. Let me write a new song for you. And it, it then it does. Became Blaze of Glory. Is Blaze of Glory used in that movie Blades of Glory? I wouldn't be surprised if it's not. I haven't seen that movie. I was just, I don't know. I, have no I like, I was curious why it was called. Bla- I mean, I guess Blades of Glory isn't a bad name for an ice skating movie. The lyrics are going down in a blaze of glory. Yeah, sounds cool. I've never been a big Bon Jovi guy, but I hate. I, I'm not a Bon Jovi I hate, guy well, either. I hate what's the Wanted Dead or Alive song. The ice fishing tune. That that, that song is overplayed. Oh, that's, I, I, that's I the do not like why it. It's not any good. But let's find out if the show is any good. The Clash logo comes flying at us with animated mountains. Oh, they look at these dudes, CGI doo doo mountains. It and, looks hilarious. And videos of the participants flowing through until we get the fall brawl logo on a stone. Yeah, it's really busy. <laughs> I do like the mountains though because it. It looks I bad. Mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it looks bad. It looks really bad. Jim Ross and Bob Cottle welcome us to the show and preview some of the matches for the evening. And we head straight to our first match of the evening. I do appreciate the quickness of NWA, especially NWA on TV. They're on a strict schedule here. They're like, we got, we got to get this over. But we're still probably about to get, what, like four tag matches? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so that first match is the Freebirds of Michael P.S. Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin with Buddy Roberts versus the Southern Boys of Steve Armstrong and Tracy Smothers with Bullet Bob Armstrong. Now, Bullet Bob Armstrong is a WWE Hall of Famer, and he's the father of Steve Armstrong. I figured. Obviously. Yeah. Do you know what other... WWE Hall of Famer. He's a, he's the father of. I'm gonna feel stupid because I probably know. Road Dog Jesse oh, James. I did know that. I feel stupid. I didn't. I did know that. I heard Jim Cornette talking about uh, the Southern Boys 
the other day. And one of his other and sons he brought that up. is also on this show as well, Candyman Brad Armstrong. Brad he's, Armstrong he's, is in... He's in the Master Blasters match. Oh, gosh. Yeah, can't forget that one soon enough. Can't. We try and forget it. <laughs> We're, we're going to have to talk about, about it here a little bit. I'll see if I can't remember anything about it. But the Armstrong family was a major wrestling family, kind of like the Von Erics and yeah. the Gagnés and... Funks? The Funks. Yes, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're like, uh... Blakey uh, uh, all of a sudden. Uh, every Samoan that's ever lived. Exactly. Except for Samoa Joe. They're all related except for Samoa Joe. Poor Samoa Joe. I mean, he's great. We all love him. But, like, he probably could get over a little heavier with a little bit of that, you know, Rocky Johnson blood. It's true. Or that, uh, yeah, some some Fatu, Haku, Tonga blood. But the Freebirds are headed down to the ring, but before they do, their music video for Bad Street USA plays. And it is great. It is a fun <laughs> early 80s music video. I mean, this song is... Unfortunately, it's, it's 1990. Oh, so is, is this one with a bunch of flags? Yeah. I think this is, this is the match where everybody has, like, at least three Confederate flags on. <laughs> but, I mean, it's the Southern boys. So, like, they come out with, like, don't the... The Freebirds come have out? capes and their face painted with the Confederate flag. Yeah, and they're wearing, they're wearing, like, the red... The red tights. Yeah, well, do they have the, like, overall type, like, straps? Yeah. It's a weird look, because it's, like, when your pants, their pants are, their tights are, like, a little high, but then they have... Just looks really weird with the straps because you know it should be higher, or you should have a shirt on if you're wearing uh, suspenders. This uh, match was originally supposed to be a six-man tag, but Roberts, Buddy Roberts' arm was hurt, so he couldn't compete. So they made it just a regular tag match. I'm normally, I don't want to see anybody hurt, but appreciate it. Exactly, <laughs> I appreciate it not being a six-man. Uh, the Southern Boys are still wearing their jackets and tights with the Confederate flag as well. I mean, are they just trying to confuse us or just let us know that they're all racist? Yeah, I think that it was uh, a, a different time, as they say. It's, it's history, not racism. So the match gets started. Smothers takes Hayes to the corner for mounted punches. An Irish whip to deliver a back body drop and follows with a clothesline. Tracy's running the ropes, leapfrogs a ducking Garvin, and turns to hit a savat kick to send him to the floor. Once back in the ring, the Freebirds corner Smothers, but he escapes, allowing Armstrong to come off the top rope with a flying crossbody that takes both Freebirds down. Hot start. And the boys go for a double pin on Garvin for a two count. A double pin. That's not how this works. We are immediately getting Freebird sucks chance, by the way. We are. Because oh. they've gotten pretty good at Thankfully, we're the not heat. getting any uh, oh, yeah. sexually... We got a lot of Confederate flags, but way less... F-words. Yeah, yeah, way less F-words, for sure. Again, Smothers is cornered and escapes. Armstrong looks to go for that crossbody again, but the Freebirds duck, so the boys hit drop kicks on them to send them to the floor. Can't spam those crossbodies, guys. Tracy is Irish whipped to the corner, but he leaps up and over the to the apron... So as Hayes follows into the corner to hit the turnbuckle, but then P.S. turns to hit a roundhouse left to send Smothers flying towards the guardrail. Garvin runs around on the outside to hit a clothesline on the floor, and then every time Tracy goes to get on the apron, Jimmy, with a hip, knocks him back off. Smothers finally makes it to the apron to hit a shoulder block and then leaps over the ropes into a drop kick on Garvin. It's all so good. Such a good start. 
Tracy's trying to make it to his corner, but Jimmy stops him with a body slam. Bulldog by Hayes sends Smothers to the ropes, but Tracy comes back with a sunset flip. But P.S. stays up and punches down. Which is one of my favorite things in any match is the sunset flip where somebody stays up and just punches down. JR lets us know at this point that the Freebirds were the first people to use entrance music. Sure. When you get a song as good as Bad Street USA. Yeah, it is pretty great. Pretty great tune. But like how long have the Freebirds been around? At the, least the early 80s. I was going to say like the they in the earliest stuff we watched Sting still not Sting. Uh, Rick Flair always came out with Spots, he didn't right? come out with uh, that music until the, like the third Starcade or so. It's uh, only cool to come out with no music when like Champa did it. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Garvin with a rubber band slam, rams his head into the turnbuckle, a body slam, goes to the top rope, but Smothers is up for a press slam, leaps to his corner for the hot, hot tag. tag. Armstrong in with right hands, back body drops, drop kicks to both free birds. Goes for an Irish whip, but Hayes reverses it, and Buddy Roberts grabs Steve's boot as he hits the ropes, allowing P.S. to go for an Okada roll, but the ref is distracted when Bullet Bob jumps in the ring to lay out Hayes with a right hand. Armstrong makes the cover, but Garvin is there to break it up. The boys hit a double-team flying shoulder block on Jimmy, try for another on Hayes, but he ducks. P.S. and Garvin turn to Roberts to have him throw them something, but Buddy overthrows them. And when they turn, the boys hit stereo sunset flips for the pins and, and the win. win. This is a good quick way to start a It show. was a fun opening match, exactly. Uh, also, I don't know if I've ever said this before, but every time you say uh, O'Connor roll... Uh, and it every- sounds like I say O'Connor roll? Yeah, and it's not just you. It's even when I hear people say it on... Like, on when I'm watching wrestling. Well, originally, like, it's just been in the last couple episodes that I've actually started writing O'Connor roll. Yeah. Because I thought, I thought it was, was Okada roll as yeah, well. Yeah, I was like, wait, but, like, who, but there the was no, I don't know if there was a lot of famous Okadas until, like, a handful of years yeah. ago. No, it's just the way they said it. I was like, oh, it's the Okada roll. Cool. But no, it's the O'Connor roll, just if you say it kind of quickly. So Irish, not Japanese. <laughs> Boom, you got it. So post-match, the Freebirds start attacking the boys, throwing them out of the ring. Oh, yeah. Roberts then joins the fray as Hayes and Garvin hit a double-team DDT on Bullet Bob to leave him laying. You gotta have... It's the same with, like, uh, with Jake Roberts. Like, everybody on the planet loves a DDT. There's only a few people that do it. So even if they lose, you gotta give them a DDT at the end. It's like Hogan must pose. Like, of course he's gonna win and then pose and then probably pose... Again, after the credits roll. Wait, wait, he's still posing. Yeah, yes, hold on. But you gotta get your DDT. No, he's, st- he's still posing. Well, I wish Jake would go in there and DDT. <laughs> so, as the show goes to a commercial, they let you know if you call the hotline between yes. a t- certain time frame, you'll be able to talk to Sting. Alright, what would you ask Sting? It doesn't matter, you know it's a pre-recorded message. Yeah, but I'm just asking what you'd ask him. What would, what would a little five-year-old Maddie ask Sting? If you could teach him how to surf. Who's the black scorpion, <laughs> no. Sting? We know Sting doesn't know. But that's what we're here to find why out. Why you and your buddy Jim still a tag team, Sting? Sting's trying to get paid. That's that, true. Get that merch money. 
We come back, Tony Schiavone's in the back with the Steiner brothers. And they're now the United States Tag Team Champions. Did this happen off air? They beat the Midnight Express a couple oh, of weeks yeah, earlier. Because the Doom took their belts. So. Doom's Beetle met, Doom Beetle met the last pay-per-view for the it makes sense. World I love, Tag Team. I love that it's like the bigger guys take the belts and then the guys that are a little bit smaller go down and take the belts from like the, you know, the, the United States guys. Which makes them the number one contender, so Doom can't overlook them anymore. And by bigger, I mean uh, size. Size-wise. Yeah. Nobody's big, more over than the Steiners at this point, I don't think. There's only a couple people probably in the entire NWA that <laughs> might be anywhere close to as over as the Steiner brothers. For very good reason. Rick tells us, you ever heard of our opponents? Yeah, me neither. We never have any strategy. I never know what I'm going to do. Scott might know a little bit. (laughs) What does Scott know? He can run a Shoney's. So we go to our second match. Nature Boy Buddy Landell versus Captain Mike Rotunda. Rotunda was accompanied to the ring by the winner of the Burger King Ringmaster Contest. Cindy Anderson, she wrote a poem about WCW to win the contest. I know, that's so awesome. I wonder what the poem was like. I really, like, as soon as I was like, man, I wish I could find this poem. I know. It'd be like, so much fun. I hope that she's still alive and healthy, and she still has her dress that she, like, walks down with. She's got, like, a sparkly, like, sequin, like, turquoise-ish, bluish yeah. dress. But I hope her poem is, is framed. In her, in, in her in her computer probably displayed in, in her, her computer room in where are we in like Nashville? I don't even know if she's from Asheville. Oh, she, Asheville, sorry. She could be from anywhere. We do know one thing about her. Uh, she must frequent Burger King. Otherwise, how'd you find out about this? So the two men start off shoving each other before Buddy slaps on a headlock, until Captain sends him to the ropes, where Rotunda hits a flying shoulder tackle. Captain takes down Landell with a headlock, but Buddy keeps rolling Rotunda over for two counts until tossing him to the ropes, but Captain reverses a hip toss attempt to hit one of his own. Rotunda with a hammerlock, but Landell escapes with an elbow, right hands, goes for an Irish whip, but the Captain reverses, hitting a hip toss and a body slam on Buddy. We have to bring up Skid Row. Bring it up. Okay, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. Buddy Landell wrote Skid Row on his arm to make it look like a tattoo, but it's obviously Sharpie, uh, and says that they're like the greatest rock and roll band of all time. Everybody knows that's not true. And uh, I don't understand, like, what is he? Is he just trying to pop his friends in Skid Row? Are they his drug dealers? That's all I can think of. Like, it, no but clue. it like starts to it starts to rub off. It's obviously not a tattoo. It's that's why I didn't super bring it up, goofy I'm and just like, like I don't know what this is. It's about. just so weird. That's all. It's got to be brought up because it's weird. Another hammerlock by Rotunda goes for a hip toss, but is blocked by Landell, who reverses it into a short arm clothesline and an elbow drop. Ab stretched by Buddy, using the ropes as leverage until the ref finally catches him, allowing Captain to reverse out of it with a hip toss. Goes for an elbow drop, but Landell moves. Buddy hits a vertical suplex, comes <sighs> off the second rope with a double axe handle, but Rotunda catches him in the gut. Gotcha. Right hands. Back elbow, leg drop by the captain. Landell fires back with chops, but Rotunda no-sells. But a cheap shot and a leverage-aided face lock have Buddy in control. Captain's toss the rope, blocks a hip toss, and reverses a backslide into a win. Yeah, it happened. 
Backslide. I like a backslide pin win, but... Captain yeah. seems like he's kind of the master of the backslide right now because he won his last matches with a backslide. Yeah, that's his finishing move. <laughs> that's his finisher is the backslide. This was just hip toss city. It was like, oh, hip toss, hip toss, blocked hip toss, clothesline, backslide pin attempt. Yeah. I mean, pin, not even, it wasn't an attempt. He he pinned him. <laughs> he just did it. Yeah. So we get an ad, the ad to call Sting is shown again. Mm-hmm. And then Tony Schiavone. Sting actually surfs? Why did, why, what was the surfer giving? Because it was just... It was just He's a California Early guy. 90s. Oh, yeah. California dude. California. I, I hate surf. Nakamura's from Japan. from Japan, and all he does is, I think that's the only reason he's in the WWF is so he can go, so he can just surf all the time. Maybe he grew up surfing in Japan. I don't uh, know. Yeah. yeah. I, I would assume they have good beaches there. It's on the water. Yeah, yeah. Tony Schiavone's then with the Freebirds. Schiavone tells us everyone's buzzing over the Southern boys beating the Freebirds. Yeah, it's good. Garvin says, how long is it going to be here before someone respects us? And then General Robert E. Lee, a.k.a. Buddy Roberts. Yeah. Southern boys may have won the battle, but we will win the war. Corny much? And then Hayes, we're the greatest rock and roll band. And then throws it to a video package. (laughs) Where we see Freebirds getting out of a limo with lots of autograph seekers. Yeah. Where they're going to... LA landmarks. They're like in a limo and they're like walking out of the Holiday Inn and then look low, the camera like pans over and it's a bunch of people with like stuff to get signed and they like chase after them. It's very funny and very silly. And very cheesy. It is very WWE like TV show except for lower budget. But it was kind of nice to see something fun like that on a NWA show. That's true. I'm just putting that out there. But we go to our third match. We have White Lightning Tim Horner and Candyman Brad Armstrong versus the Master Blasters of Iron and Steel. Yeah, this is our first of two uh, Road Warrior replacement uh, teams we'll see tonight. Wannabe teams. Yeah. But the uh, first thing we should probably do is let you know about Steel. mm. Because he is Kevin Nash... Big sexy, big sexy diesel. Diesel. Uh, what was it that he? Vinny Vegas. Was he not? Uh, oh no, never mind. There was the fake Kevin Nash and fake Razor. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. It was like he didn't fake some. He didn't fake as somebody. He else. didn't fake. No, he didn't fake himself. his himself. No. <laughs> but Kevin Nash is a two-time WWE Hall of Famer individually, and also will be inducted as a member of the NWO in 2020. NWO. The NWOs being inducted. The, the oh, three main guys. Okay. Or actually, I think we'll be Sean, inducted as a member of the NWO. I thought you were saying was inducted to the NWO. I was like, I don't understand what that means. No, they're either their uh, NWOs or is entering. They weren't already in there. No. So the last time we saw Tim Horner and Brad Armstrong was at Starcade 1986, which was episode 10. Yeah, I don't remember either of them. Armstrong is because you know, see that name. Armstrong had a time limit draw with Jimmy Garvin, Okay, which I bitched about because I remember hating that match because it was like... A time limit draw with no work rate? It was no... No, they had a good work rate, but it was just like, it was pointless to go to a 20 minute draw with Brad Armstrong and Jimmy Garvin. It was like... Yeah, who's getting getting heated heated up here? Yeah. And then Tim Horner, I think think was in a tag team match of some sort. I don't remember. But the Master Blasters, 
They must have just come from working in the steel yards, as they're covered in suit. And Nash has a red mohawk mullet type hairdo going yeah, on. Yeah, they just look like big junkyard boys. Pretty much. Like um, like gang members from a bad movie. Yes. <laughs> like, that's their look. It's like, it's like, this is what bad guys like, look like. It's like when you see a movie and it's JR like, and Bob hadn't told me about the, the steel yards thing, I just would have been like, they're just dirty. Yeah. yeah. So Steel uses his power early on to just to throw Horner around. Iron picks up Horner, tosses him into the turnbuckle before a double-team back elbow by the blasters. Nash with the Irish whip charges in, but white lightning moves, balls it up with a drop kick that Steel holds onto the ropes to avoid. Nash with the elbow drop, Iron with multiple falling headbutts. Iron is tossed to the ropes and ducks an Armstrong clothesline and comes back with a flying headbutt. The Master Blasters with a double clothesline on the Candyman. Nash with a power slam for a two count. Steel goes for a body slam, but Armstrong floats over, tries for an O'Connor roll, but again Nash holds onto the ropes to avoid it. Steel tries for an elbow drop, but Candyman moves and delivers multiple drop kicks. Irish whips Nash and charges into a big boot. Or at least that's what I assume because the camera was right behind Steel and I couldn't see what yeah, actually happened. Yeah. They were getting in the ring, making sure that you felt the action. Clubbing forearms by Nash, flying shoulder tackle, body slam, jumping elbow drop, and a leg drop by Iron on Armstrong. Iron. Candyman's tossed to the ropes, <laughs> comes back to leapfrog Iron, and turns to hit a drop kick. Horner then, with a back body drop on Iron, slaps a sleeper on while on Iron's back. It's a good use of a sleeper. I like a sleeper on a big guy. It's where it should... It's when you want to see it. Big guys do bear hugs on little guys. Little guys do sleepers on big guys. That's what I, I want to see. I like it. Steel in with a blow to White Lightnings to knock him off Iron's back. Armstrong's now in, and the Master Blasters double-team him before throwing him to the floor. Horner is then hit with a double three-point stance shoulder block for the pin and, and the win. And the winners of this match are LOD.0, Big Fat Zero. They are, <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised if these guys have been training for six months. They were like, hey, Ron and Butch, just show them how to do, like, a shoulder block. Exactly. Find a shoulder block and, like, how to how to drop a leg without, you know, like... Landed on their tailbone. The I know we've talked about this outside of this, but I just got to bring up. Can't take the name of the new big guys or your tried new big guys from the same movie or from the same series of movies. So what do you mean you can't take names from the same movie? Though? It's like LOD, like the Road Warriors. It's Mad Max. Master oh. Blaster is a character from Mad Max. I don't know how popular those well, movies were. They're iron and steel. They're working in the steel yards. They're blasting the, steel. They're blasting masters. <laughs> I don't know. So they're master blasters <laughs> of steel. Of steel. That'd be cool if they came out uh, with That would have made more sense. And they're like, ah. but that's too cartoony for true. WCW. Tony Schiavone's then in the back with flying Brian Pillman. And Pillman knows that everyone is wondering all about the Black Scorpion. I definitely am. Of course I am, but why are they asking Pillman? Schiavone says that Pillman is going to run the gauntlet this weekend, and he has to win three consecutive bouts. On three consecutive days. Oh, this is where they tell us a bunch of rules, right? Yes. This is convoluted as hell. Whose idea was this? <laughs> Who knows? It's it, probably JR's. So, 
WCW used to have three TV shows. Mm-hmm. One on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So you had That's crazy. You all had in three days. Friday okay. Power Hour, mm-hmm. Saturday WCW, and Sunday Main Event. So basically you had to win a match on each show. If he was successful... What if you were booked on each show? Well, I guess you're Brian Pillman, so you don't have an issue with being Well, he's running the show. gauntlet, so he is booked. Oh, on okay. Shows. So you know ahead of time yeah. you're booked for the gauntlet. So if he's successful, he wins $15,000. If he loses, the money's divided between the three challengers. This is blame stakes, sir. Some more rules and stipulations so are shown. So, does he fight the same guy three times? No, it's three different guys. So then it's divided between all, all of the six challengers yeah, so each, or whatever? all three of them. Ugh. If you have to... If you have $5,000 each. If the rules are this convoluted, they just then you just have to do something... You've got to do something else. But Pillman was the first person to ever agree to run the gauntlet. Who would not agree? How could I even care about this? Even if I was a Pillman fan, like as a little kid, like well, just means, you'd watch all three basically, shows. Basically, what they're doing is telling you, "Hey, you want to see Ryan Pillman? Ryan Pillman's going to fight on all three of the shows this week." Yeah. So therefore, if you're a Pillman fan, you're going to tune in to watch. And Pillman. at this point, so how could you not be a Pillman fan? It doesn't fan? matter. No, all these other rules doesn't. don't matter. It's just like they it just means you're going to get to watch Brian. Yeah, Pillman Yeah, I feel like they could have said it easier. Be like, "Hey, you want to see Brian Pillman three times in a row?" It's like, who doesn't? He's going to run the gauntlet. He's going to face three different opponents, three different days. Done. He could have three matches on a pay-per-view at this point in time, and they'd be like th- three of the most interesting matches. Probably. Because he's the... He's Brian Pillman. He's your... Uh, <laughs> this is derogatory, but your spot monkey <laughs> of, uh, of the NWA at this point. It's kind of he, true. He's the, he's the guy that does the stuff. We then go to Missy Hyatt. She's on the stage with Ric Flair, and she says that she thinks that Flair can beat Luger tonight. Mm-hmm. And Flair wants to win the U.S. belt because it would make him the number one contender for the world title. And I feel like we haven't seen we haven't seen a whole lot of Missy Hyatt. She's been like pretty she's off and on. She's usually on like once every. Maybe she's on the TV shows or, three. or so. But yeah, I'm sure she's on the TV uh, shows. Seeing her here, I was like, why is it Missy Hyatt do all the interviews? She's much better looking than Tony Schiavone. Uh, yeah, to say the very least. I'm a Missy Hyatt fan. Most, most most people most people, people are. are yeah. So we get our fourth match: the Nasty Boys of Jerry Sags and Brian Knobs versus Jackie Fulton and Terry Taylor. And this is our first nasty, nasty boys. Ex, or ex, ex, excursion into Nasty Town. I, it is <laughs> exactly the only person we have seen before of these four men is Terry Taylor, and the last time we saw him, was he was Cockadoodle Doo. He was Red Rooster. At WrestleMania 5, which was episode 28. But the match gets going. Fulton with an arm drag of knobs to start it off. But Brian starts throwing some nasty right hands. You had to do it. The joke's there. <laughs> you, just, you just have to pick the yeah, apple yeah, the yeah. Low-hanging fruit. Knobs with an arm lock, which Sags joins him. But Fulton does a 360 before hip-tossing them both. Followed by a crossbody on both boys. A gut punch by Jackie before a swinging neck breaker by Taylor. Terry with arm drags of both nasty boys. And Fulton comes in with an elbow to the arm, but is tossed to the ropes where he leapfrogs Sags and hits another elbow to the arm. Sags slams Taylor's head on his knee before tossing him to the floor. Goes for a bulldog, but Jerry is tossed off into the ring post by Terry, followed by a double axe handle from the apron. Terry running the ropes, Sags misses a back elbow, and Taylor comes back with a flying crossbody for a near fall. More arm drag takedowns by 
Fulton, Taylor with a back body suplex, Jackie comes off the top rope with a drop kick on Knobs, Brian then with a handful of hair face plants Terry, Sags hits a knee drop, an Irish whip, and, and then a double team Irish whip splash by Knobs for a two count. Taylor hits a sunset flip, but Brian stays up, punches down, but Terry has moved. And then finishes pulling knobs over for a near fall. So like he just like moves his head. Yeah, he, like, okay, moved, yeah, like, he yeah. punches down and he moves his head. I remember so that. Nasty boys are double teaming Taylor. Goes for the Irish whip, but Terry reverses, drops to the mat, and the boys run into each other. Oh my gosh, that's what you do with two big guys. Fulton back in with body slams to both, drop kicks to both, belly to back suplex, but Sags breaks up the count. Jackie comes off the top rope, but Knobs catches him with a power slam. And then sags off the top rope with an elbow drop for the pin and the win. Pretty cool finishing combo. The power slam and then the... Like the like, catching him into the power slam? Yeah. That always is good. That's a good looking move. We see yeah. it a couple times over the next couple episodes. And then the, yeah, the elbow drop for the win. Is it me or is uh, sags the... The Supreme Nasty Boy of the two. Because I hadn't really seen either of them outside. See, whenever of I think of the Nasty Boys, I always think of Brian Noms. He's the one that he's got the... He becomes got, more of a solo guy later. In, oh, yeah. But... He's got more of a, like, a memorable look. He's got, you know, he's not a very good looking guy. And he's got, like, he's got the haircut. But Jerry Sags, his look like, is, he feels more like the, the unit. But maybe that was just me. I don't know. Post match, Taylor. Starts also, our tag teams are just getting bigger. We're just getting like tons of big guys. Yeah. Like they're like, all right, well, we got like Steiners, Doom. We had Road Warriors, but then they're doing this Master Blasters thing. It's like, what about where's all my my Freebirds? And I assume there's they'll still be around, but it's like I like my like those guys are still bigger than a lot of people, but like I like my more normal size looking guy tag teams. I'm, I'm, I'm scared that they're going to, like, fade away. The big guys. I'm just saying I'm scared right now. Everyone loves the big guys. Where the big boys play. Ugh. So post-match, Terry ends up laying in some right hands to help clear the ring. And then we go to Tony Schiavone, who's with Sid Vicious. And Sid's yelling at the crowd, yelling at us that he should get a shot at Sting. And then he yells, Sid Vicious rules! Because nobody else is saying it? Pretty much. <laughs> And we're headed off to our fifth match. Wild Bill Irvin versus Wildfire Tommy Rich. The last time we saw Irvin was at Great American Bash 1989, which was episode 31. And what, last time we saw Tommy Rich was last episode, probably? Last episode? <laughs> yeah. Seen, seen quite a bit of old T. Rich lately. Irwin keeps snapping his bull rope, but the ref wrangles it away. And we get a wild start with Irwin running the ropes, ducking a rich clothesline, and coming back with a jumping knee. Wildfire tries for a hip toss, but is blocked. And Wild Bill tries for a hip toss, but he's blocked. And finally, Rich hits a hip toss to send Irwin over the ropes to the floor. Which JR has to tell us some NWA bullshit. He's like, well, his feet touch the apron, so it's not a disqualification. And I had to write it down, because who would I be if I wasn't upset about this or annoyed? <laughs> Wildfire with a slingshot to bring Wild Bill back into the ring but, but Irwin is back to his feet to grab an arm lock And is chopping away at Rich at the same time Before Wildfire hits a back body suplex 
the two men locking on wear-down moves but are continuously working for pins, even Rich hitting a tornado DDT to keep the headlock on. Cool look, and it's one of those things like, he was over, DDT, pretty good for the crowd. Wildfire running the ropes, ducks an Irwin clothesline, and drags Wild Bill over with a headlock. Irwin with a side slam, puts the boots to Rich to send him to the apron, and clubs him across the chest. Wildfire falls across the guardrail. On the outside, Wild Bill with a forearm and slams Rich's head into the apron before rolling him back in. The two men are trading blows. Irwin goes for a tilt-a-whirl slam, but Wildfire reverses into a sleeper and escapes by going into the corner. Wild Bill with an Irish whip charges in, but nobody's home. Rich runs the ropes, hits the Fez press for the pin, and the win. win. Quick and painless. I don't know about painless. There's few too many headlocks for me in this match. I mean, match. yeah. What you gonna do? I mean, it is Tommy Rich. You know that the headlock is how you uh, wear him down for the Fez press. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we then get a look at the WCW Top 10 for both single, single and, tag, and tag teams. Did you write him down? I did not. I, I was like, I almost wrote him down, but I was like, Matt will do it. I was Who like, cares? But, you know, if you don't care, I don't know how I could. I mean, the world champions are one. Uh-huh. The U.S. champions are two. Yes. And then Flair was three. Okay, that makes sense. And then Art Anderson, as the television champion, was four. So Ric Flair was above him because he's held the big boy title, and Arne has not, but he does have a singles title. Pretty much. TV title. And then Stan Hansen yes. was number six. Yeah. Let's find out what Stan Hansen thinks about that. <laughs> You got it? As Tony Schiavone is on the stage with him, Hanson has the largest oh, it is bunch of chew foul. in. And it's just like, it's like all over his, on his chest. Out of his the mouth. Spit on his chest. Oh. On his chest. Like mm. even Tony is disgusted it's interviewing pretty, him. It's pretty, uh, pretty gross. And Hanson says he wants a shot at the champ, but Tony reminds him that he's number six. Also, he says that he's got, like, kids and needs money and stuff. Uh, Stan Hansen, it's pretty good. But my favorite line was Hansen saying, I've never been sixth in anything in my life. No. Never been sixth in my marriage. <laughs> Which is like, okay, how, how, how would you be sixth in your marriage? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know. That seems like a well, weird I mean, marriage. Uh, he's used to working in Japan. So he doesn't really have to talk. He just gets to be awesome. Talking about sixes... We go to our sixth match. <laughs> oh, t- Tony does uh, let Jim know that this is disgusting as he throws back to Jim. But even if he hadn't told us. Oh, we, you, could, you see could see it all over his face. face. Yeah. We got our sixth match with a couple of sixes in Bambi and versus Susan Sexton for the LPWA Women's World Championship. We've seen Bambi before, right? We've oh, seen we Bambi had, yeah. before okay. at AWA Super Clash 3. You don't forget a name like Bambi. Which was episode 23. One of like two Super Cl- or AWA shows we watched probably. Just the one. That was just we the just one? watched the one AWA show. I remember it being a fun time. We had a good time with it, yeah. Match starts, Bambi with a hip toss, but Sexton responds with a drop toe hold to take Bambi down. And this was moving quick. Bambi reverses into a head scissors, but Sexton escapes and delivers an elbow drop a back body drop, and a leg drop. And they did all of that faster than it took you to say it. <laughs> Bob says the winner gets a date with JR after the show. 
And JR's like, the only way I would do that is if you were the chaperone. Oh, okay. So it's JR, but JR is probably like pretty young here. Why can't he? Uh, what is it? He's scared of getting beat up? Pretty much. Okay. I mean, if JR said that now, he would probably want somebody uh, there just to. Because he has a chaperone, so he's not like the creepy old to guy. Hold, hold his Bluetooth <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. Shoulder tackle and body slam by Sexton, but Bambi takes control with an arm drag, tosses Sexton into the corner, but Susan jumps to the second rope and comes off with a crossbody. Sexton tosses Bambi to the ropes and hits a back body drop, a body slam, an elbow drop for a two count. Again, Susan tosses Bambi to the ropes and goes for another back body drop, but Bambi rolls her into an inside cradle which Sexton reverses into an inside cradle of her own for the pin and, and the, the win. win. I was like, oh, they're going to do a title change here? She rolled it through. They did, they did the old, uh, the old like, soccer ball trick. That's right. <laughs> I don't know, like, you know, when they start rolling around. Yeah, they start ring. rolling around. It's good. We then head to our seventh match. Mm. Maximum overdrive of the Hunter and the Silencer. Versus the Steiner brothers of Rick and Scott. Hunter and the Silencer. So we've gone from, like, like all right, well, I don't know if there's anything else from Road Warrior we can name. What's that What's that movie with the big trucks? <laughs> like, I don't know. I've never seen the big truck movie. I know. I think Emilio Estevez is in it. I have no clue. Not a big guy. But a guy we all like. Emilio Estevez is at least in one movie. At least probably in two movies that you, listener, probably enjoy quite a bit. Whether it be Mighty we, Ducks we or Repo one, Man or Young Guns, Minute Work, which we talked about last. Oh week. yeah, I haven't still have still haven't I haven't Minute Worked yet. It's true. But he's in like the both the Mighty Ducks movies, right? Or I guess there's probably five Mighty Ducks movies, but there's like the two big I ones. I think he's in the first two. Yeah, he's in the two Young Guns movies, as we talked about. Yeah, earlier. yeah. I mean, nobody shows up for the third movie in an, an important trilogy, unimportant trilogy. I mean, Peter Weller didn't even show up for RoboCop three. The Steiners get a logo on the screen along with a video package. Yeah, we start getting these like logos and video packages for like the top guys. Yeah. And it's fun. As they're coming out to the ring, the match starts. Scott gets Hunter down on the mat and does a modified Boston Crab. Hits a hip toss. Hunter tries to hip toss Scott, but he reverses it into another hip toss of his own. Maximum Overdrive is complaining that Scott is grabbing the tights, so Scott leads the ref around the ring, asking the crowd if they saw him, with an astounding no coming from the stands. Scott with a back body drop on Hunter, multiple arm drags on Silencer, arm drag on Hunter, Rick in with a double Steiner line to knock Overdrive to the floor. Silencer back in the ring with multiple clubbing right hands to Scott and goes for an Irish whip, but Steiner reverses and grabs the silencer to hit a belly-to-back suplex and a snapmare. The dog-faced gremlin down on all four growling at the silencer. <laughs> a cheap shot followed by a body slam, and silencer then clotheslines Rick, tosses Steiner to the ropes. Boo. Misses a clothesline, leapfrogs Rick, but Steiner comes back to hit a power slam. Rick, with a flying Steiner line to the hunter, picks him up into the electric chair and takes him to the corner, Hell where yeah. Scott DDTs the hunter <laughs> from the top rope. It's crazy. Well, what is that called? I There's think no it's name. The Steiner DDT. What's the Steiner? Rec- no, the recliners. The uh, is like the, the, camel, the clutch. camel clutch. Yeah. yeah, they don't call it that. Yeah. For the pin and, and the, the win. win. Uh, pff, the finisher. My God. It was 
like, what is this? Yeah, it was quick and hot, and, you know, the Maxim Overdrive are quite a bit taller than the Steiners, I believe. Yes. So all it does is, like, you know, keep the Steiners hot as ever. It does. It's like they basically dropped out to them, except for they had to put on a gimmick. Or did they didn't they didn't have to put grease they on really their face? Have a gimmick. Just dumb names. Just dumb names. <laughs> Being big guys. And this I think is the only time we ever see Maximum Overdrive. So cool with that. See ya. Missy Hyatt's in the back then and reminds us to watch her and Jim Ross on MWA main event on Sunday nights. Well, that's where they keep Missy Hyatt. Sunday nights. Jr. keeps her right next to him. Eighth match: <laughs> Stan Hansen versus the Z Man. Stan the Lariat Hansen. Yeah. Well, you don't like that? It's a horrible nickname. Well, it's be- he's that's what that's his thing. That's what he does. I mean, he's like still one of the biggest American stars in Japan. He is. Like he's like yeah, like him and the butcher and like Brody like are still like people that are like sixty in Japan and don't know anything about wrestling. Like they probably think Stan Hansen and like Brody and Butcher. So Very like. Possible. Hansen jumps Z-Man just right as he jumps into the ring, throwing him back to the outside. But Zink runs around and back into the ring as Stan followed out to the floor. You think the Lariat is worse than Z-Man? I think Tom Zink's a fine name. I didn't say Z-Man was a good name. I know, I'm just saying. Which allows him to stomp on Hansen as he's getting back into the ring. Stan then pulls Z-Man out to the floor, hits him with a chair, slams his head on the ramp, and rolls him back in. A knee lift, snap suplex, elbow drop. Hansen drags Zink to the outside once again and elbows across the head with, on the edge of the apron and a headbutt. Another headbutt back in the ring, chops, snapmare all by Stan. And this match is so awesome that we go to Tony Schiavone and Picture in Picture in the locker room with Lex Luger. Yeah, you know how I feel about this? That's bullshit. No wonder Hansen's number six on the list. I can't. No one cares about I, this match. I was interested. I was having a good time. I was less interested in what we're about to do. Do you not find this disrespectful? I do, but at the same time, it's it's a squash match, so who cares? Yeah, but Shivani you gotta asks, heat him. You gotta heat him up. He's, he's asks just Luger, here. What do you he's think there. about Hanson being number six? Luger tells us lots of tough contenders out there, but the only thing I'm thinking about tonight is Ric Flair. We're back to the match, and Hanson hits a back suplex. Tosses Z-Man to the corner where Zink jumps to the second rope to come back with a crossbody, followed by multiple drop kicks. Z-Man then with an Irish whip charges in, but Hansen charges out with a shoulder tackle. JR starts to tell us that Hansen created what is called the clothesline, but Stan calls it the lariat, just as he delivers one for the, the pin, pin and the win. Like we said, squash, it's a squash match. match. But it's fun to see Stan Hansen. Maybe it's just because... I haven't seen a lot of Stan Hansen, but I've known the name forever. So, I mean, I will, I will agree with you on that. It's nice to see these guys who are considered some yeah, of the yeah. bigger names in history that we haven't seen before. I mean, they obviously that. disrespected the shit out of Muda, but they heated they heated him up, and then they beat him three nights in a row clean. Uh, three times in one night. In one, yeah, three times in one night clean. So he was obviously like, fuck that, I'm going back to Japan. Cause, yeah. But if they didn't do that, I'm sure he would have stuck around because he was getting over very quickly. Hansen has his, like, I don't know how long he's sticking around here. But I imagine not very long. But I have no clue. we'll see. I mean, if they treated him like Muda, I'd go back to Japan too. So We then get an ad for Halloween Havoc. 
which will be our next week's show. Yeah, uh, this is our will be our second Halloween Havoc. Yeah. I really hope it's better than the first one. I hope so as well. I was really pumped for the first one. Tony Schiavone then throws it to a video package, and we see highlights from Luger and Flair at Russell War 90. Good stuff. Luger then joins Tony for another interview, and he says... Why couldn't he have done this not during the squash match? Because he was talking about Hanson during the squash match. <laughs> yeah, sure he was. And now he's talking about how butterflies are here, the adrenaline's flowing, and he's after me this time. I'm not the hunter. I'm the hunted. All mostly true. Can't be sure about the butterflies. So we're off to our ninth match. Ric Flair versus Lex Luger for the NWA United States Heavyweight Championship. And it is weird that this is not the headlining match. Just, you know... I mean, obviously, it makes sense why we've we've uh, we you know it's not the heavyweight match, but it's like oh, like this is a heavyweight match we've seen a couple times. It's, we've it's seen like, it multiple times. I think this is like the yeah. fifth time we've seen this match. Yeah, but it's typically always good. It's generally a good match. Not always the greatest endings, but good matches. Yeah, like uh, Flair Luger, I'm always excited for. Exactly. No matter how many times I've seen it. Flair and Luger each get a logo and video package as they come out on their entrances. Nature Boy's taunting Lex before they get started. Of course he is. Match gets going. Flair tosses Luger to the ropes, but is taken down with an elbow. A test of strength, but Natchez with a cheap shot and starts chopping away, but Lex no-sells. He just gets mad. Just makes him mad. Luger with the Irish whip picks Flair up with the military press to dump him into the middle of the ring. Nature Boy rolls out to stall oh, momentum. Yes. He, hey, he's got to. But once back in, he hits a knee lift, an Irish whip, and delivers a chop. All the, while JR tells us Lex's GPA. But the total, <laughs> Sorry. But the total package <laughs> no-sells and picks Flair up again with the military press. Luger hits a clothesline to sit Natch over the ropes to the floor, and Lex follows out with another clothesline. But Flair rakes the eyes and tries to guillotine the total package on the top rope but Luger holds on to the ropes. Nature Boy walks away thinking he has done damage, but Lex is right behind him. Yep. Flex is at him. Lex Flex. Hits another military press. (sighs) Three military presses already. Followed by a jumping elbow drop that finds Natch has moved. Why is the... I mean, I guess military press isn't like a super hot finisher, but it's like, might as well be. It's Lex Luger. Just mill press the shit out of him. But it's like the only movie does. So that is really true. It finisher. can't be a finisher, yeah. But the like the torture rack's cool. Torture rack is. I I, I, told, I know you're a big I've torture rack guy. But like with rack. with like a, when a, when the guy is that big, like a match where they need to like tap out is always weird to me. I think you couldn't really do the military press just for the sheer fact that like every like yeah. you wouldn't be able to get every single person up in the military press probably. Mm, yeah, that's. I mean, same with the torture act. That's true. You ain't getting an earthquake up, and I mean, different promotion, but you know what I mean. Yeah. A guy that big. Chops in the corner. Irish whip by Flair, but Luger fires out of the corner with a clothesline that leaves Flair hurt. So the ref is checking on him, which brings the total package in, allowing the Nature Boy to hit a cheap shot and toss Lex to the floor. Nash follows out, throwing Luger into the guardrail multiple times, and then begins a shoving match with the ref, but Nick Patrick shoves back. Yeah, I liked uh, the ref being like, come on, dog. We don't need none of that. No, get back to it. 
Once back in the ring, Flair was stomps, chops, throwing the total package back to the floor. More chops, rams his head into the guardrail. Nash slams the leg on the apron and stomps away at the knee, giving chops. But Lex is firing back with right hands to get a flare flop. Nature Boy, with an Irish whip, goes for a hip toss, but is blocked and reversed into a backslide for a two-count by Luger. More no-sold chops, which is then reversed into mounted punches by the total package. Flair picks him up for an atomic drop, but is blocked and then clotheslined by Lex for a near fall. Yes. Natch, with a snapmare, goes to the top rope, but Luger is up to press slam him halfway across the ring. Yeah, he really fucking tosses him. It looks great. The total package with an Irish whip to get a flare flip, but he lands on the apron, goes to run to the next turnbuckle, but Lex is there with a clothesline uh, to love, knock him to the apron. I love this spot, which I'm pretty sure we've seen the last time that Lex and uh, Ric Flair. Well, Sting did it to Oh, Flair. Sting? Sting did uh, it? Yeah. I just love it. It's one of those things that's like, oh, these guys that have had multiple matches with Flair, they get privy to it, and then they start They're getting not lines. letting it happen. Yeah, And it just... So good. So good to see. And it looks incredible. Military press, power slam, but Nature Boy rolls out to the apron, and Luger goes to grab him, but Flair with the eye rake. Four military presses. Lex tosses Natch to the ropes and picks him up into a bear hug, sets him on the top rope, and hits a superplex for the one, two, two. Flair gets his foot on the ropes. Uh, good. Right hands by the total package, but the ref catches his arm to stop him, allowing the dirtiest player in the game to rake the eyes. Natch running the ropes, ducks a clothesline, comes back with a fez press that takes both men over the ropes to the floor, where Flair throws Luger into the guardrail, but Lex comes right back, pulling the nature boy off the apron and rolling into the ring himself. All of a sudden, Stan Hansen comes in and attacks Luger, and the bell rings. Stan Hansen, uh, new member of the of the Fantastic Four of the Four Horsemen, uh, or is he just trying to get title match? He just wants a title match. He's number six. He thinks he, he can. He, he thinks he can beat. Uh, well, I guess Lex Luger over Ric Flair. I mean, speaking in, in kayfabe here, I mean they're both big guys. They're, they're both. I mean, I'd probably want to take on Ric Flair, too, but Ric Flair's been a world champion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For I mean, he's the dirtiest the player Indians. in the game. Exactly. But, I mean, Stan Hansen walks around with dip spit on himself. So who's, who's truly dirty? Hansen, with lots of elbow drops, choking with his cowbell rope, spits on Lex before Ugh. leaving. That was disgusting. So the official announcement was Lex Luger wins the by DQ. DQ. So good. So good. I understand a finish like that when it's when it's like two of your top guys. Yeah, I mean so, you, you got to keep flair. I mean, on the... also this is on television, so you shouldn't really expect a bunch of clean pins. This is on TV, like, and it's a big a big show on TV to should be promoting yeah. these guys for and these the matches and these feuds. Yeah, for pay per views. Tony Schiavone then sends us to a video of the Black Scorpion, and he says, "We both waited, and now." The time is at hand, Sting. If you mm-hmm. can beat me, I'll tell you and all the world who I am. They say he's like known him since like 86 in California or something like that. Yes, there's uh, 86, uh, not in this promo, but in some of the other, other ones. The yeah. other ones that have been shown on TV. 
some clues that have been given is 86 is the year, California is the state, and they're and everyone's like, who could it be? Who knows? Shivani is then joined by Sting in the back, and Sting says, no goofing off tonight. Hopefully I can beat him. I hope you're not goofing off, Sting. Yeah, like, you there's should. no goofing here. This is a like a weird blood feud. He like stole a very weird. Yeah, blood feud. he. Uh, this is our first Black Scorpion. It's just not my first Black Scorpion. Tenth match: Black Scorpion versus Sting for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And how did Black Scorpion get in title match this quick? Because he's being mean. He's not even in the top ten. Oh. What is his deal? It's because he challenged Sting. And Scorpion because Sting. Yes, <laughs> I, I mean I have no clue. So Sting gets that logo in the video package as well as he yeah, comes down. The cool ass logo. Scorpion has a black robe and a mask on, just staring very stoic in the ring. Yeah, the black Scorpion does kind of look cool, but this goofy shit is weird in the NWA. Scorpion attacks Sting, but the Stinger fights back. Lots of brawling between the two men. Scorpion choking Sting with a boot to the throat. Scorpion kicks Sting to the floor, follows him out, nails him from behind. But the stinger picks up the scorpion and drops him on the guardrail. Oh, also we get that big light up. Like they lit it on fire when Sting won the title. But that like it's like a big yeah, light up. up where, stage. Yeah, where like the lights are going around the shape of his head. It's just weird, and I like it. Back in the ring, there's more brawling. Sting with a body slam goes for the mask, but the scorpion with an eye rake and slams the stinger into the turnbuckle. The two men are brawling on the rampway. Scorpion with a body slam, more choking with his boot. The Sting with a double leg takedown and goes for the mask again, but the Scorpion is able to crawl away back to the ring. We get a drop kick, face plant, double arm choke hold by the Stinger, but the Scorpion escapes with a boot to the midsection and begins choking Sting across the second rope. Reversed Irish whip by the Stinger, hit lifts the Scorpion with a military press, goes to the top rope to hit a crossbody for a two count. Scorpion fires back with a knee lift, a snapmare, a jumping knee drop, more chokes, and Irish whips Sting, who then sidesteps Scorpion on his way back, turns to hit a clothesline, and the Stinger splash for the pin and the win. So post-match, Sting goes to take the mask off, gets the mask. Who is it? And there's a red mask on underneath. Oh my gosh, it's the old two-mask trick. The old, uh... Two mask trick. <laughs> the stinger starts brawling again with the scorpion, but Coddle is saying someone is coming down the ramp. Sting finally sees him, and it's another masked robed man. You think this Who's is where they... the real black scorpion? You think this is where they got the idea for uh, Scream? The movie Scream? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Sting has no clue what's going on. Along with the rest of us. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly uh, just about right. Jim Ross then interviews Sting in the ring. Sting is in the ring. And Sting goes, I feel the same way I did coming into this match. I didn't accomplish anything. I still don't know who he is. Why he wants me. Why he can't just fight me man to man. They didn't fight man to man. I guess with the mask on. JR then talks about those earlier promos about the 86th the year, California's the state, how that's where Sting got his start in California. Yeah. Sid Vicious then comes out to the ring, and Sid says, 
I think you got problems with the Black Scorpion. But I'm the man you've got problems with because I want that belt. And Scorpion doesn't want the belt. He just wants to antagonize Sting, I guess. That's what it seems like. <laughs> Sting says, I'm thinking nothing but the Black Scorpion right now. Sorry, Sid. Sid then attacks Sting as he's leaving the ring, hitting him with the big, big gold. gold belt. Big old, big gold. Always looking so good. JR says his goodbyes and the credits roll over photo highlights from the show. The person who was the scorpion in the ring was Al Perez. That was a shoulder shoulder shrug. I was like... But they basically told Al Perez not to do any signature type moves. Yeah, I mean, this was a brawl for the most part. It it was was a brawl, basically throwing punches... Choking, choking, yeah, that kind of thing. I mean, that's what you want to see from a big bad guy like that. Because anyway. Alvarez was not going to be the end game for the Black Scorpion. Yeah, they were trying to get other people to come in and be the Black Scorpion. Oh, so they this is a, a angle they're running, but they don't even have the guy they want yet. Basically, I mean, I still don't know. You don't know yet. Uh-uh. I didn't do the research. I wanted to be surprised. It's more fun this way. It is more fun this way. For me. I mean, you probably know. I know who they end up with. I also know who they were trying to get. Yeah. But we'll go over that when it all ha- when that all happens. Is that the next episode? Or is that It later? will be in about three weeks. Oh, man. That's going to be hard for me not to look up. You just shouldn't look it up. I'm not going to. But Michael Temple. Yes. What are your overall thoughts? Overall thoughts. Um... Well, always excited for Rick and Luger, and this was another good Rick and Luger match. They typically don't, like, I can't think of any huge disappointments with them in the ring, and uh, this was not not a disappointment at all. The only, I mean, the Stan Hansen thing, but it's like usually, we said, it, like, we already covered match, that it was on TV. The matches between them mm-hmm. are usually good. It's the finishes that are a yeah. little weak, because but, we had, we've had this, this ending with Hansen, we had the... Dumb horseman cage match. That was the worst one, honestly. In my that's opinion. the worst one, yes. But um, I mean, that's just the nature. But we of... had the. We also had the the commi- the state commission ending the match because Luger was bleeding. Yeah. Ending. So it's like we've but, had some dumb endings to these. But matches. that is the nature of of professional wrestling, and this is a heel company, which is true. But like, I mean, this is what. Yeah, it's, that's that's the nature of the of the product and. Outside of, like outside of some of those finishes being worse than others, everything before that is always pretty incredible, and I think that it was here as well. Uh, at least the stand thing's fun. I imagine that a match with him and Luger, I it won't be as good as a Ric Flair Luger match. No. It might not even be good at all, but I was at least moderately interested in it. And then I would say will say that the tag matches were shorter, which. You know, NWA is all about tag matches. And they have some of the greatest tag teams. Sometimes they're overlong. Here, they were not the best matchups, but none of them overstayed their welcome, really. And it, like, you know, they did their jobs, like, heating the diners uh, back up by feeding them some guys that are, like, physically bigger than them. Yeah. At least taller than them. And, you know, nasty boys start bringing them up. In, into the into, into the picture, thank God that what was it? Yeah, that 
the Master Blasters. Yeah. Uh, that was the Kevin Nash. They, they lost, right? No, they won. They won? Oh, that's... At least Overdrive lost. So, I mean, the show was short. It moved quick. It was fun that there was a, a women's match in there. And uh, Stan Hansen. Overall, enjoyed myself. The Lex match is the one match I'd be like, oh, you gotta see that one. But it's one of those things It's like, oh, well, you like Ric Flair, you should just watch all Ric Flair's like singles matches yeah. in this time period anyway, and you're going to catch all the Luger ones anyway. I mean, my thoughts, I think we're kind of in on the same, same line. Because other than some interesting debuts in this on this show, like Stan Hansen, Kevin Nash, yeah. the Nasty Boys. So, I mean, if you're completest of any of those guys. I, I didn't even catch the Nash thing. When I was watching it, Excited. you didn't realize it was Kevin Nash. No, I don't know how I didn't. That is kind of crazy. I wasn't. I was like. I was like. I was so checked out when it was like Maximum Overdrive or whatever. Master Blast. Master Blast. I can't. There, there was. You must have really been. I was more out. stoked for the Nasty Boys because <laughs> at least they have cool T-shirts. But the show really only has one good match. Yep. Maybe two if you want to include the opening tag match. I mean, there's some good, good like finishes. Like, where it's like, oh, that was cool. Like, the Steiners finish, and it was it the Master Blasters that did the finish with the... The three-point stance clothesline. Yeah, yeah. There was another, like, off the top, and another slam, power slam, and then, the, and then a, like, uh, elbow drop, right? Or was that the Nasty Boys? That was boys? the Nasty Boys. Yeah, so there was, like, some cool finishes. But this show's, like, under two hours, I think. Yeah, it's under two hours. So, I mean, it moves the, at a clip. The show flies by ten matches in, in two hours, the show flies by. Yeah. Very watchable. But, like I was saying, I feel like really there's only the one good match, which is the Flair-Luger match. Oh, yeah. And it's basically just a rehash of their other matchups with a inconsequential ending. Yeah. But they just have this really good so, chemistry. I I would probably tell someone, just, just pass on this show. There's nothing really here. Unless you're really interested in this Black Scorpion thing. Which <laughs> is a thing. I mean, I mean, that's the reason why we watch this show is because of the Black Scorpion storyline. This yeah. is kind of the first time we've seen you see the Black Scorpion on any of their major shows. Yeah, and it's gonna obviously it's an ongoing it, storyline, and it pays off at, at a different. I mean, show. the next show is Halloween Havoc, so you got to set up a spooky character for Halloween Havoc. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So, what were some of the best moments of this um, show for you? I mean... Stan Hansen... Disgusting Tony disgusting. Schiavone. Yeah, does which Stan Hansen's it's disgust, promo. It's disgusting, but, but Tony just Schiavone. the look on Tony Schiavone's it doesn't face. Look, it is Tony Schiavone's look on his face is not a work. No, <laughs> he's just like, he's not. like obviously grossed out. Stan Hansen, the, the like Nasty Boys finish was cool. The Steiner, Steiner Brothers finish, finish was, was cool. cool. And some of the stuff that... The, the, black, the black Scorpion stuff's really funny. I don't know if it's. I, I it's at least I didn't find it funny or I interesting, it, or like what what are they I doing here? Like it, it was more like a like to cock your head and scratch it. Like Ooh. I was. Kind of, I think that was more of what it was. I was just like I don't. What is this? What? It feels out of place. It should it be a feels, brother love segment, not well, a feels not out of place NWA thing. in the NWA WCW. That's that's. I think that's the problem. Is it feels out of place? It feels out of place this. in a company that's like starting to do power rankings. Be like, these are the guys, and this is like, they're because they're of their like winning records or whatever, like, this is their 
the the number like the lineup yeah. or whatever. So it's like puts more on the. On, they're, they're, yeah, they're talking about it more sports ish, sports yeah like sports statistic wise. Uh, getting to see the Bad Street music video. Was oh yeah, fun. that was great. The, that promo was cool. I mean, my second favorite match on the show was the Freebirds and the Southern Boys. They worked. Oh yeah, they worked really well together. That was very good. Uh, like by no means is this show really disappointing. I've been because I, I I'm not gonna say no. It's okay. it's not disappointing, but there's it's nothing not, on it that where it's like, like oh, I'm gonna no. be like, you need to watch. The this. thing is, is also it's it's all quick and it's you know and it's a short show. So of course, it's those long shows where I'm like, oh my god, when matches go on too long is when like I can watch short match wrestling all damn day. Yeah. So like I don't think that I was disappointed by this show at all but by no means will i be telling anybody hey like i have friends that don't watch wrestling and every once in a while there'll be something so great i'll be like yo this watch this yo this and then they'll yeah and they'll be like oh that's crazy or i'll send you know a gif of something cool how about most disappointing on this show one of the most disappointing things for me was i felt wildfire tommy rich had progressively gotten a little bit better, and I was like, not, I was not getting mad at his matches. But then he came out with that Skid Row shit. No, that was Buddy Landau. That was Buddy Landau. Sorry. But then this match with Irwin. No, like, they just I, didn't I, have I, it together. I, I like he, they fell right back into. But he worked with like what my re- biggest last, complaint. Right? Well, that was Buddy Landau. Oh, okay. That was my biggest complaint about Tommy Rich when he apart. showed back up. Was yeah. that he was working a 1983 match in 1989, and now. And now it's 1990, and I was like, this is a match that would work in 1985, not 1990. It, it was just like Back to the Future again with Tommy Rich. Yeah. It was just like, I was beginning to like be like, okay, Tommy Rich, you're you're working for me. I still like his Thez Press. His Thez Press looked good. Yeah. But I'm just like... It's better than some of the Thez Press too, we've seen him do. Way too many headlocks in that match. And so yeah. It was yeah. a disappointing... Women's matches... They, it just felt out of place on this show. It did, but I don't think it was just kind of a fun little, like, oh, breath of fresh air. Like, give them a payday. Like, cool. And then, like, it was super quick. They did a lot of stuff. Some of it was sloppy, I mean, but I kind of like some sloppy they sometimes. They were anywhere as talented it... as the women we saw in the WWF. No. But, but no. you know. There's, like, 15 women wrestlers in the United States right there. And one of them had to come from Australia. Sexton was Australian, I believe. Maximum Overdrive, that was a disappointment just because it's like, you guys are two big guys and should be putting up with somewhat of a challenge. Yeah, I was disappointed with the throwaway tag teams, I guess. The two big throwaway tag teams, but I guess one of them won, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, Terry Taylor left the WWF and came back to WCW and is in a tag team with a rando to get beat by the debuting Nasty Boys. That's kind of a disappointing thing for Terry Taylor. Because we yeah. know Terry Taylor is a good wrestler. Yeah. How about best performer of the night? It's it's, it's Ric Flair. It's Luger Flair. It's, yeah, it's like it's a Luger and Flair together are always good. Uh, you always kind of know that, like, you know, if you're... I, I, if think you're was, a, I think it was Luger on this one over Flair. Yeah. Because My I, reason I think, for saying... I fl- think you could kind of see in Flair that he just... He knew he was starting to be 
pushed down the card a little bit. I don't know why they would do this, but you could see that he was probably not very happy about it. And so I don't know if he put his 100% into this match. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Luger and Flair are always great. And at this point, they've had so many matches together. They have great chemistry. So it's like, well, I don't really know who's the star here. Because they go out there and it's like, oh, well, they come together to make make a big, beautiful star. And they've only gotten more used to doing it over time. So, like... Kind of sleepwalking through matches almost felt... Yeah, but I was... I didn't. Which I mean, maybe, I still thought the like, match was good. I mean, like, because it's not like Flair stopped doing guys. like if he like went full. If he went like just like stopped doing like fa- like selling with his face and being Ric Flair, then maybe I'd be like, oh, they're going through the motions. But it's hard to tell because Flair's he's the he's the face actor. Like, I mean, I, I I'm probably way off on my thought process on there, but yeah, I mean, if you felt something, then, then it might have been there. Who knows. I don't know. I know that he's not the Booker man yet. He's not the Booker anymore. He has oh, been removed. Okay. Ole Anderson's the Booker. And him and Ole so have... So Ric Flair picked up after Dusty left? Mm-hmm. And then he passed it on to Ole? You think just so he could focus on something else? Uh, Rick, so Ole obviously wasn't everything I've Everything I've heard about Ric Flair and booking meetings... Is that he was there because he had to be, but he didn't really give a shit. Oh, uh, okay. So he's just not that, doesn't have the mind for it. Yeah. Like, that's just not his thing. Correct. He's good at being Ric Flair. Basically. He wants to be styling and profiling, not sitting in meetings all day. Yeah. How about most surprising for you? I mean, the debuts. I mean, you didn't even realize Kevin Nash was on this yeah, show. I was like maximum. But I was, all like, by but I was all like, Kev- I was like, wait a minute, that's Kevin Nash. I was like... Holy shit. First like, Master Blasters. I don't even remember which team he was on. I can't Master Blasters. And then Nasty Boys, which I thought they had a good debut. Yeah, they look good. I really enjoyed that. Match. I'm excited to see uh, them from here. Because there's like Doom and the Steiners. It's like, yo, I want to see them against Doom and the Steiners. Uh, and then them with some of the, you know, your, your Midnights, your Rock and Rolls, and your uh, Freebirds. Could be fun too. Because they're the bigger guys, and then you get your more, like, like shithousery. And uh, it's always good. Plus, you know, anybody against the Midnights is fun. And now for a look back even farther into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Dory Funk Jr. had held the NWA World Heavyweight Championship for over four years until May 24th, 1973 in Kansas City, when he would lose to Harley Race in a stunning upset. Harley Race, born in Missouri in 1943, would grow up watching professional wrestling. He would train with former world champion Stanislaw Zabisco, and he would be seen as a rising star until a car accident which killed his first wife, who was pregnant at the time, and his leg nearly had to be amputated. He would recover and began jumping from territory to territory, winning regional titles, including being the first winner of the NWA United States Heavyweight Championship. Harley Race would go on to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship eight times over his career and is one of six men to be inducted into each of the WWE, WCW, NWA, Professional Wrestling, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter 
Hall of Fame. Holy shit, I did not know that about Harley Race's uh, wife. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Harley Race is, you know, he's like, he's basically your your Bruno to Hulk Hogan, right? Or no, back, well, Backlund didn't have it as long as Bruno, right? I mean, but basically Harley Race was your Ric Flair, and then he passed the torch to Ric Flair. Yeah, Harley Race was the Ric Flair of the 70s. Yeah, yeah. But like, and then like, was it, so it was Sam Martino, Bob Backlund for a small amount of time, and then Iron Cheek, and then Hulk Sam Hogan? Martino, and then... I, no, San Martino was the WWF champion for a long time. Yeah, I'm kind of putting and then, together. We're like pushing them together. As so San Martino and Hulk were, weren't really in the same No, no, no. Same time frame. But like Backlund was the guy that dropped it to Sheik, right? I believe so. Yeah, but he wasn't he wasn't like as dominated as like Harley Race. So I was my metaphor was wrong, but I, you know, the flair thing, that's all you really need to know. Next week, Halloween Havoc 1990. Hope it's better than the last one. Not the last show. The last Halloween Havoc. Well, I hope it's better than the last <laughs> show, too. Well, I mean, yeah. But I'll be fine with uh, as painless as the last show. I always hope for the greatness. I do, too. And then if we get goodness, I'm, I'm okay with yeah. it. Music from this week's show is the theme from Clash 12. And then Sting's theme music, Turbo Charge. How do you feel about Sting's music? It, Hillman and Warrior basically have the same music. And it has like no, just feels like nothing. It's just a rampant beat so they can, that's upbeat. And for yeah, people. that makes more sense for Warrior because he's an insane person. And he runs to the ring. Yeah, so. yeah. But like, it's one of those things like, why don't these guys have great themes? Like, I mean, I don't mind Turbocharged. I don't think it's a great, I just, I can't it's not even, a great song by I can't itself. even like hum it right now. Yeah, okay. That's I mean, I don't know why I just did that because you can hear it right now. Right now as well. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of, I don't know, like a fun song, like Hard Time, Grab the Cakes, Bad Street, and I never think of Turbocharged. But I still like Stings. Sorry. You can always rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. Go leave a five star and a review tell your friends families blood feuds yeah get your get your teacher dad how to download a podcast and start them here it's either us or rogan where are you gonna go <laughs> i mean we're shorter <laughs> yeah we don't know anything about um cage fighting unless it's a work baby <laughs> you can always email us at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com Or you can find us on Twitter At WrestlingHistoryX That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X We'll talk to you next week